sick. I was tired of feeling that emotional pain. You see, emotional pain is something we can't see, right? If somebody beats you up, you know, you end up with a black eye, a broken bone or whatever we can see. It's like, oh, what happened to you? You know, you're, you're obviously in some kind of a, a pain. But when we've been, you know, abused, people don't see that. I mean, it's going to be reflective somehow, some way, usually in the way we feel about ourselves and how we hold ourselves and how we conduct ourselves and what our results are. But at the time, you know, people couldn't see it. They didn't see what was really going on. So I went through this process of, of a deep dive into the materials to study and to learn it. And when I started to experience the positive change, that's when I made the decision, I want to help other people. Because I'm quite certain there's other people in this world that are experiencing emotional pain as well. I want to help them get out. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, what a delight today's show and recording has been with my good friend Peggy McCall. We actually haven't chatted for a while. It's been a few years, but we met years ago in New York right after 9-11, and she has gone on to be a New York Times best-selling author multiple times over. Uh, now, one of the things I want to encourage you, the listener, she came from um, really not a broken home, but a, an abusive situation. And if Peggy can do it, then anybody can do it. And she has some amazing tips as we get through her story about the concept of life scripting. And so you will want to listen to the entire show so that you get that and that you know where you're going. Now, as a sidebar, one of the things that relates to it is my latest book, The Quest for Purpose, really outlines a step-by-step -step process for you to get clear about your direction in life. So we'll take you on a journey to be able to get clear about your next steps in life. Here's the reality, as Peggy and I are talking about in the interview, one of the main reasons people are not successful is they don't do anything. They don't get going, they don't get started. And so my encouragement is get started now. And if you haven't got my book, The Quest for Purpose, then go to the site, thequestforpurpose.ca or crgleader.com, look at it, review it, and get going on your next step. So here's our interview with New York Times best-selling author, Peggy McCall. Well, today's guest is actually a friend. I know it's a bit of a surprise that your host <laughs> has all these friends around the world. But we met in New York way back, we believe, 2002, 2003 at the Book Expo. And we really connected as colleagues. And she has gone on to be a New York Times bestseller, uh, multiple books. In fact, over a dozen books. We can't even keep track of all the ones that she's done already. She's from Ottawa, Canada. Welcome, Peggy McCall. Peggy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. It's such a pleasure to be here. And it's like we just connected yesterday. Hard to believe that it was that many years ago now. Yeah, where did that go? And it was interesting. Both of us were really kind of transitioning in our careers and getting into this space of, you know, helping others. And you've done an amazing job and you help other authors to do an amazing job. But before we get into all of that success that you've recently had, Peggy, and I say recently, last 15 years, <laughs> the New York Times bestseller, not very many people can actually say that, is what's your journey? Where did Peggy McCall sort of come from before you got into this industry? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was born and raised in Toronto. And uh, although for a period of time I have lived in Vancouver and I lived in Montreal as well, landed in Ottawa a bunch of years ago, but I got into personal development from a student 
perspective, and I'm still a student, about 40 years ago. And so I was three at the time. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I wasn't course, three. <laughs> I think maybe four. Maybe four. <laughs> a little bit older than that. But I was uh, completely insecure. I was mad at the world. I figured it was everybody else's fault that my life was miserable. And so I met the wonderful, the incredible Bob Proctor. And I was 19 at the time. And I was working for a company in Toronto. And they hired Bob to come in as a speaker. And it was January time frame. And so the idea was, let's bring in this motivational speaker. And he's going to get everybody cranked up. And we're going to have a great year. And it was a technology company that was selling word processors. So this is way before microcomputers and, and uh, so long before the internet and all that space. So it was a sort of a leading edge technology kind of company. And it was a fun place to work. But I was a pretty miserable girl, even though I was in a good company and a good job. Let and me just back up for sorry, Peggy, to interrupt there. But where did where did so where did that miserable thing come from? <laughs> that miserable thing, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, it came from um, my my parents. Uh, you know, bless bless their souls. They both passed on. But my parents were both working, working parents. My father was a janitor. My mother was uh, working in a factory for a good part of her adult life and then ended up working as a checkout clerk. So they struggled. I mean, they were just struggling parents with four kids. I was the youngest of four and their marriage wasn't good. I think they were pretty miserable people. Our house was pretty chaotic. It was uh, full of anger a lot of disrespect, abuse, physical abuse. I mean, back then it was okay mm -hmm. to hit your kids and beat your kids. And I mean, I remember frying pan cords coming out, you know, electric frying pan, because uh, I mean, it was just a very... Those are heavy. Those are they, heavy. They hurt. And it was just a really abusive environment. And mm -hmm. not only did I experience the abuse, but I watched my siblings experience the abuse as well. And, you know, when you're raised in that environment where love is not really shared... And it's just anger and hostility. Mm. And being the youngest of four, I mean, I took the brunt of it because, you know, my brothers were pretty unhappy with that environment. What did they learn? And my sister as well. So it was just not a nice mm. way to be raised. I mean, nowadays people would probably be taken away. Their kids would be taken away from them if, you know, what our parents did to us back then was, uh, you know, was it, it wasn't that it was allowed, but it was going on. It was going on a lot. So by the time I got to this point of being 19 years of age, I mean, that's really where it came from. It was from abusive environment mm. and, you know, no love being shown. So, I mean, that can really play on a, a person um, to go through that. You know, it was very dysfunctional home. For sure. Now, Peggy, one of the things I want to encourage the listeners, and by the way, I'm not puffing up Peggy as far as this amazing person she is, but if you could be where you're at now, in the success you had coming from your roots, that's got to be an encouragement to everybody else that's been through some of that stuff before. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, when, when I think about it, Ken, when I think about who I was, I don't even know that person anymore. It, it really feels like to me they're two different people, and I know it took a lot of work. Like, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It definitely didn't. So when I heard Bob Proctor speak, I didn't even want to go to that event. As a matter of fact, I was, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was looking for a way out. And we're told, oh, you got to go. You have to go. It's, it's, not, it's not optional. It's a, mm. You're mandated to go. So I was like, ugh. You know, I was just like that, this miserable girl. So I go to the, the room, this big ballroom where we're having this event. 
and I arrive you know, almost late, not quite late, and I'm looking for a room and a chair in the back of the room so I can make my escape. And there weren't any chairs in the back of the room. It was packed. It was full. So the um, the usher just escorted me right down to the front row. That was the only seat that was available. It's like, oh my God, I can't escape out of here with this front row seat. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Bob Proctor speak, he will wake you up. And I mean, he's so dynamic and charismatic and powerful. And I mean, he was in front of the stage and he was like looking at me eyeball to eyeball and, and just, you know, really waking me up. And he said things that just shook me to my core. And I remember one thing that he said that really opened up my mind to the possibility that I might have created this messed up state that I was in on my own. He, he quoted Vernon Howard and he said, you cannot escape from a prison unless you know you're in one. And I was in a real serious prison. But, you know, in, in reality, I wasn't in a prison at all, but I created this prison, if you will, where it felt dark and lonely and I was angry and didn't think there was an escape. I mean, I really thought that was my destiny. I thought I was destined to live a miserable life. And I really thought that because we were raised poor, we weren't raised, you know, financially healthy. We weren't, weren't middle class. We were poor. I mean, I remember going to school embarrassed by my clothes because they were ripped and dirty. And I mean, I looked like a rug rat. I probably didn't even brush my hair. And mm. so, I mean, that didn't contribute to the, the whole picture of how I felt about myself either. And, and so when Bob opened up my mind to the possibility that if you want your life to change, you have to change. I was like, oh, so it's not my parents' fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's not my brother's fault. It's not my sister's fault. It's not my teacher's fault. It's my responsibility. That's when everything shifted. And so I made a decision on that day back in January 40 years ago that I would study personal development. And so Bob recommended a book to read. As a matter of fact, I have one of the books that, that I had bought. The very first book, one of the very first books that I bought was this book by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called mm. Psycho-Cybernetics. Of course. Of and, course. Uh, you know, Bob recommended a number of different books. And I didn't read them. I devoured them. You know, and this is probably another version of the book that I've I go through them so much and so often that I'd wear them out and wear the spines out and pages would be falling out and I'd have to go get another copy and <laughs> read that and underline that. So I became an addict and the, I was an addict for personal development and I just started studying like a fiend. And then of mm. course I started to experience positive change in my life and, and started to get promoted and started to, attract better relationships in my life and financially start to get things in order. So it was progressive and it wasn't like huge shifts in a very short period of time. It took time. I mean, I really, I, we're talking about one messed up being that mm. really needed a lot of work to clean up the, uh, the thinking process. Cause I was conditioned to think very negatively, conditioned to think destructively. And I had no belief system in myself and I certainly didn't believe I was worthy of love or worthy of success. So I had to create belief systems mm. within me that would support the desire that I wanted to experience in my life. Do you have, thank you, Peggy. Do you have any idea where this inspiration, motivation to crave this information came from? Yeah, desire to get out of pain. It was really, it really was that. I was in so much emotional pain. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, Ken, where you're thinking about exiting this 
earthly plane. I mean, I seriously thought about life mm. isn't worth living. And uh, again, yes, that's something I can, I, I can relate to that. And that yeah. has occurred yeah, way back yeah. in my teens. Right. Yeah. I remember in my teens sitting on a park bench, I was supposed to be at school and I didn't go. And I sat, went to the park bench because I was thinking, this is it. I'm leaving today and just trying to contemplate how I was going to do it. And I didn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember thinking, I don't think my mom would survive that. And I'm certain she wouldn't have because we ended up losing my brother uh, later on in life. And that experience for her to lose a son and, you know, we, I lost my brother. We became close later on in life was devastating for her. So mm-hmm. I decided not to do it. But that's really what the motivation was. It's like I was tired of feeling that emotional pain. You see, emotional pain is something we can't see. Right. If somebody beats you up, you know, you end up with a black mm. eye, a broken bone or whatever we can see. It's like, oh, what happened to you? You know, you're you're obviously in some kind of a, a pain. But when we've been, you know, abused, people don't see that. I mean, it's going to be reflective somehow, some way, usually in the way we feel about ourselves and how we hold ourselves and how we conduct ourselves and what our results are. But at the time, you know, people couldn't see it. They didn't see what was really going on. Mm. And uh, so that's really what it was. So I went through this process of, of a deep dive into the materials to study and to learn it. And when I started to experience the positive change, that's when I made the decision, I want to help other people. Because I'm quite certain there's other people in this world that are experiencing emotional pain as well. I want to help them get out. What were you doing before you transitioned into this space of helping others to help themselves? I was actually in the technology industry. So when I graduated from high school, which actually was a miracle all on its own, I think. (laughs) I mean, I would just barely scrape through high school. It was like, okay, what mark do we need? 50? Okay, you got it. 50 it is. (laughs) I just get 50 as a grade out of 100 and just enough to get passed through and uh, out of high school. So I started working right away and I started working on mini computers. And I really like technology. Um, and then I started working for the word processing company where I met Bob and then that company sort of disappeared off the face of the earth because micros came along and I went to work in the microcomputer industry and I was with the very first microcomputer company in the country and I started teaching people how to use CPM and, uh, and uh, was PC DOS back then and, and word calc or word and calc all these programs that now are like antiques and and I love training I love teaching people so I started a training division for a microcomputer company and then when uh, laptop technology came along and smart card technology I went to work for Toshiba and then when uh, datacom became big and telecom and internet so I was always following the wave of of technology and mm. Not from a technical point of view, it was either in an educational role to teach people how to use these systems or these programs, or in a marketing role or in a sales role. And I remember getting a job with Toshiba as a national marketing manager. And that's kind of a funny story. I know you love stories. And it's a manifestation story. So here's what happened. I was working for a software company and it was based in Toronto, but they had an office in Vancouver. And I saw the writing on the wall. This software company was going under, and it was going under fast. And so I was looking for a change. I'd been out looking at a job, and I had a car. I had this BMW for sale in the Toronto Star. And this woman called me and said, I want to buy your car. I said, okay, great. Where do you work? I'll bring it over to you, and you can test drive it. 
and she worked in Markham and she worked for Toshiba. So I go to Toshiba, we go out for a test drive, we come back and she goes, I want this car. Let's go into my office and we'll work out the details. I said, sure. So I go in her office and we're walking down this hallway and it's kind of like executive row, you can tell, you know, from all the offices. And I, and this girl was my age. I think it was 28 at the time. And I said to her, I said, what do you do here? And she said, oh, I'm the general manager. It's like, what? <laughs> That's a pretty nice job. So I said to her, are you hiring? And she said, yeah, I'm looking for a national marketing manager. And I said, well, what would a national marketing manager do? And she told me what their role was and what the responsibilities were. I had zero marketing training. I was not educated in marketing, like nothing. So she told me, and I listened, and I said, you know what? I could do that. And she said, are you looking for a job? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, but will you still sell me the car? I said, sure, <laughs> the car. So that's how I ended up working for Toshiba. Wow. I manifested wow. a job by selling my car with zero experience. And, uh, but I just listened to what she said the role was going to be, and I thought, well, this isn't rocket science, or I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm like, it seems pretty simple. You just use some common sense and you know, learn some fundamentals. And, and so I thought, I could do it. I really believed I could do it. So I started working for Toshiba. But anyways, my, my experience has been in the technology industry as I evolved. And, but I knew, I knew one day I would work in the business of personal and professional development. And I established my company in 1994. But I ran workshops part-time while I was still working in technology until I got to a point where I said, enough of this. I want to do my own thing. I wanted that freedom, the freedom to do what I want when I want. I didn't want to have to ask somebody for a day off and didn't want to ask someone for a vacation. But I will tell you, I don't take a lot of vacations. <laughs> no, we, yeah, as entrepreneurs, we kind of, we say we just do it, right? And we're just in the yeah. middle of it and said, well, that, that was 60 hours this week. Oh, where'd mm -hmm. that come from? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what were you teaching in 94 when you started to do your own thing? I was teaching seminars actually uh, in my dining room. I would teach people how to, uh, how to, find their passion and how to pursue their goals. So it was kind of like achieve your destiny, I think is what I called my workshop. So a lot of what Bob was teaching and I just created my own version. One of the things that I've found myself doing over the years is, you know, in studying all these materials and all these books, and I've read thousands of books, I would find that sometimes, not always, but sometimes I found that the, the author would make things too complicated or a little more complicated than what they needed to be. So I thought, I want to simplify things for people. And another thing that I became really good at, and I still am good at, is implementation. So you could read all the books in the world, but unless you understand it, that's where simplification comes in, and unless you apply it, mm. it doesn't mean a hill of beans. You just wasted time. So I wanted to help people understand it and apply it, because I'm a real doer. And I created my own practices and disciplines and, you know, methodologies for really implementing these ideas into my life so that I get results. And so that's what I, I started teaching to people. And then I would get corporations, like people would come to attend my events and they would be working for TD Bank or Sun Life or something like that. And they were like, could you come and do this inside our company and maybe do some team building and some customer service and presentation techniques? So it's like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, sure. No problem. Oh, I'm sure I can teach something on that. So I just expanded based on demand. You know, whenever I was asked, you know, could you do this? I thought, 
yeah, I could probably do that. Okay. And I was a teacher. You see, my background, you know, even when I worked for that technology company, when I met Bob, I was in their education department. They taught me how to teach. As a matter of fact, I ended up teaching at two colleges in Toronto, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I never went to college and I was a horrible student. <laughs> so I ended up teaching at two colleges. And I believe the reason why I ended up teaching at two colleges is because I had specialized knowledge. And, uh, and I was good at teaching. I love teaching. Well, you're a good communicator, Peggy. You've heard that before. So it's interesting. Not The person that's not the most educated is the best communicator. Those of us that have been to university, we've had some very, very boring professors. So, <laughs> <laughs> so an expert, but with some dynamic or dy dynamism. Can we create that word? Uh, yeah, I like that word. <laughs> That's you. So let's transition a little bit because for the listeners, Peggy, you have all these books that you've you've written. Let's share some of the nuggets that you have in there as far as success principles for individuals. When we met, you know, in the um, in the early two thousands, I think you were just beginning your first book or your second book. I think That's it was true. Your, your destiny book. When did yes. that come out? Yeah, I think that came out in 2002. So, you know what that I did? That was right then. That's, yeah. that's when we met then. Right. I think it was May 2002. So I had written that book. I called it. It's no longer available. And frankly, I'm a little embarrassed by it now because, it, I mean, it's your first book. And I heard this from a lot of people, you know, that and we evolve over the years. So the book was called On Being the Creator of Your Destiny because we create based on what we're being or who we're being. So if we want to create success, then we must be successful, do the things that a successful person does, and then we'll have success. See, a lot of people have it backward. They think that if I have success and then I do the things that a successful person will do, then I'm going to be successful, and it's backward. So the book on being the creator of your destiny was really about helping people understand we are creative beings, but we're also destructive beings. And we need to understand when we're creating and when we're destroying and get out of the habits because most of the time when we are in destructive mode, which is where I was residing for you know, a good part of my life until I met Bob, uh, we've got to recognize when we're in that destructive mode and stop it. Or as you know, we heard before, stop the insanity, like just stop destroying areas of our life. So on being the creator of your destiny talks about how, how we create and how we destroy. And we create through our thoughts and through our words, and through our feelings, but mostly our feelings. I mean, we think about the law of attraction, which became really big when the movie The Secret came out. The law of attraction is based on um, a greater law, which is the law of vibration. And the law of vibration is based on how you're really feeling. You will attract based on how you're feeling. You see, when I was miserable, I was attracting more misery into my life. I'm not miserable anymore. I'm happy pretty much most of the time. I wouldn't say mm -hmm. all the time, and there's times when, you know, but it's so incredibly rare. I mean, you can ask my husband who invests more time with me than anybody else, have you ever seen Peggy depressed? I'm pretty sure he'd say no, and we've been together almost 15 years now. So the nuggets that I share are so basic and fundamental because I think that's where we need to get to is mm -hmm. that. But I wrote three books in, in 11 months and released them. So the first book was On Being the Creator of Your Destiny. But while I was launching that book, I got inspired to do a book called On Being a Dog with a Bone. 
because I really believe that if you're not a dog with a bone, in other words, if you don't grab a hold of your dream and hold on tight and not allow anyone else to take it away from you, you're going to probably drop it or, or let someone else take your dream away from you. So I had become an author and had to learn how to market and how to get, you know, become successful as an author. And I was absolutely determined that I would make that happen. So I got inspired to write the book on being a dog with a bone. But at the same time I launched that book, um, I had a lot of people asking me, well, what else do you have? Do you have programs? Can you come to my city? And I thought, I don't want to be traveling and away from my son. I was a single mom at the time. So I created a program online called Eight Proven Secrets to Smart Success. And I started teaching this online program. That was in 2002. So way before, you know, all the online programs, I mean, now it's just commonplace to take a course online. So I was one of the early adopters. And then that content ended up becoming a book because somebody wanted it in a book format so they could sell it to their network marketing people. So it became a book. So within 11 months, I released three books and that, that's where, where the three books. And then I went on to my next four books were published by Hay House. And Hay House is the largest self-help uh, book publisher in the world, and Louise Hay started that company. Well, she became a client of mine, and uh, Hay House had hired me to teach their staff how to market on the internet, and that's how I ended up in Hay House, and they published my next four books. Wow. So how did that happen where you got into Hay House to market? Mm -hmm. Well, when I started marketing my books, you see, I had a desire to get my message out to the world and to do it in a way that would serve people and serve me, meaning I didn't want to be vacant from my son's life. I didn't want to be doing multi-city book tours. I didn't want to be traveling the world and speaking at all these events and my little boys at home with a sitter or without his mommy around. So I thought, I'm going to do this. I will find a way to market my books on the internet. And that's what I did. I started marketing. I was one of the you know, first folks to start marketing on the internet. So I started marketing using the internet from the comfort of my home, which is where I am right now as we're talking. So I'm still, still doing it. Where I am now when we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it beautiful? I love the yeah. internet. It's the greatest, greatest invention. And so when I started doing that, I honestly thought everybody must be marketing you know, online. I mean, why wouldn't they be? It's just such an effective way of connecting with, with people and sharing and teaching and helping. And so, but they weren't. And so I started getting calls from people like Robin Sharma, who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And then other people started contacting me, Miriam Williamson. And it was like my name was just going around the, the globe for people saying, hey, if you want to learn how to market your books online, you got to talk to Peggy McCall, talk to Peggy McCall. So Hay House heard about me through their own clients. And I think they saw, they probably saw, because I was doing lots of marketing, they probably saw who I was and saw my books. So when I got the idea to do a book called Your Destiny Switch, I contacted Hay House and I said, hey, I'm going to do this book called Your Destiny Switch. They said, we want it. Immediately, they're like, we want that book. Because they knew that I was an author who was going to get behind the marketing. They knew that I knew how to get results. And publishers love that. They absolutely love it. And, of course, they love the idea of the book, Your Destiny Switch. And so uh, they saw the proposal. My agent had sent it over to them. And just like that, they said, yeah, we're going to pay in advance. We want this book. They bought that book. I released that book, put it on the New York Times bestseller list. They, we were ready with another book proposal for my next book. And they bought that book and bought Be a Dog with a Bone because they wanted to 
also to release that book and then they published another book. Well, there you go. And so tenacity. And so <laughs> congratulations on all that, Peggy. So can we switch and really provide the listeners today some of these steps that you have in the book, some of the things that you are teaching? You know, let's try to see what the highlights, but also when I say the lowlights, what I mean the simple things that people need to do day in, day out that's transformed your life that you teach. So for the listeners, that's a great now, question. So when we think about you know, some of these items, and I know that you have this top of mind and you have so much content, but let's distill it down. We probably have about 15 or 18 minutes left. Sure. What, what, what would be some of the key things that you would teach people that if I'm listening, I want to go to the next level, or maybe I'm in this place of despair and I, I even want to get started, or maybe I'm medium and I want to kind of go up. So sure. where, where would you take us, Peggy, with that? Excellent. Excellent question. I would say decide what, where you want to go. Decide what your life would be like when you're living it in an ideal manner. I and mean, we really have like a blank canvas. We can create. I could just wipe out everything that I have right now and start anew and create something mm. brand new in my life. I wouldn't want to do that. I have an incredible life right now, which I thank God for every day, and I feel very blessed to live. But I would say the most valuable thing that I've done in my life is what I'm about to share with you. And here's what it is. You script out your life. So in other words, you just, and this is for you, your eyes only. It's not like you're doing something that's going to be published in the world. And it doesn't need to be edited or proper, proper grammar or anything like that. So if you think about your life and you living your life ideally the way you want it to be, whatever that is, maybe you're somebody who's a multimillionaire. Perhaps you've started some kind of philanthropy in the world. You've created your own foundation or you're supporting something. Uh, maybe when you're traveling, you're traveling in private jet. Um, you have homes, maybe multiple homes, one, on, one in France, <laughs> one in the Riviera. I don't know, wherever, you know, whatever you, however you want to be living your life. You're very healthy. You're happy. You're in love. You've got a wonderful relationship. You're in great shape. You've got wonderful clients or a wonderful business. I mean, whatever that is for you, you script it. You write it out. It's almost as if if someone wants to know what's your life like and you, and you want to script the ideal life and you write it out as if you're already living it and you put a lot of emotionally charged words in there. So it's like, I am so happy and so grateful now that, and then you write out everything. And I call it a power life script. And I started this process back in the 90s. So there have been a number of years that I've been studying Bob and applying what I was learning from Bob and studying other people too. It wasn't just Bob I was studying, but more Bob Proctor than anyone else. I got to a point where I realized that I wanted more consistent results. I wanted to feel like I wasn't going off track. In other words, mm. I, I had this experience of I felt like I was moving forward and then I was moving backward. It's like two steps forward, one step backward, or three steps forward and five steps backward. And well, I'm just going to stop you for a second, Peggy. Yeah. I know you're on a roll. As listeners, part of the challenge we have today, Peggy, is so many shiny objects and right. so many distractions. So what you're saying here is really important for the listeners about the process you went through to say, I need to establish this focus. So, sorry. Continue. Absolutely. Focus. You're, you're right. You, you just nailed it. So you've got to get focused. And you got to create daily disciplines. And I'm very disciplined, extremely disciplined, in fact. And so when you script, when you script out your life, when you script your life and you've got a very clear description of what that's like, it could be something you write in two pages. It could be something you write in 18 pages. I mean, it doesn't matter how long it is. It's just what's most important to you in your life. 
So for me, my priority is my family. Always has been, always will be. And as I mentioned earlier, I was a single mom. I'm not anymore. I'm happily married. But my son has a son. And so I'm a grandma, a very happy grandma. And so my son, my daughter-in-law, my, my grandson, my husband, they're like priority number one all sort of bundled into. So they're part of my script. And when I script my life, I talk about seeing and imagining and living in this life as if it's already here right now. And it would include everything that's important, you know, from the business that I run and how my business is running to the people that I serve, the difference I make and all of that. It can be revenue goals, but you don't write them as a revenue goal. You, you write your script as if you're, it's already done. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm easily earning, you know, whatever that number is and profitable revenue while I'm serving millions of people in the world and doing only valuable, you know, beneficial, positive uh, contributions. And then what I, and this is, as I said, a process I started in the 90s. I do this every day. I don't write the script every day, but I record it. And I recorded it so that I can listen to it. And now I have my iPhone right here beside me. And on my iPhone, you'll see that I have, like if I go to my playlist, you'll notice that, it, you may, I don't know if you can see this or not. Let me try. And there we go. It says my wonderful, I got big font on my phone so I can okay. see it. It says my wonderful life. And that's me talking to me. And I started that process back in the 90s. Why did I start that? Because I wanted to impregnate into my subconscious mind, into my heart, into my belief system that I am living this life. Now, you've probably heard the expression, if you hear something over and over again, you'll tend to believe it. That's mm. why it works, right? It's impressive. Like as a child, if you're told you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you grow up thinking you're stupid. As your child, you're, you're told you're clumsy, you're clumsy, you're clumsy, you grow up thinking you're clumsy. If you're a child and you're told you're so smart, you're so creative, you're so incredible, you grow up believing it. And now, just so, hang on one, Peggy, for, for clarification. Are you playing this every day? Every day. Every so, day. Now, are you updating your script periodically? Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, I'm going to record it again tonight. And I'm going to okay. record it tonight because when I recorded it the last time, there's a couple audio glitches in it. So when I hear it, it's like sometimes it, it sort of makes me jump. So I want to record it again. Mm. Um, but I'll record it. Like my husband and I, uh, we bought a new home last week, another home. And uh, we're right now, as you and I are talking right here right now, it's a, a accepted offer. So now we're going through the process of doing the inspections and all that stuff. So in my script, I'm living in that home already. So it's like, mm. I'm so happy and grateful that my husband and I have bought this beautiful home located at, and I have the address in there, and I can see it. So, and because I visited it before we bought it, I see myself, you know, living in this home. It's a spectacular home. Absolutely. It looks like a resort. I mean, it's gorgeous, a beautiful, beautiful home. So I see it, and, I, and I'll describe things like our family meals there. I'll talk about having my clients there for client events. I'll talk about we've got eight bathrooms and seven guest rooms, and I'll talk about waking up in the morning. It's on a golf course, you know, looking out, and you can see, you know, the, the golfers going by and, like, that kind of thing so that you, you live it, right? It's not only just, you know, some kind of description. You've got to feel it as you're listening to it, and so – this is, I listen to that every single day. That's not the only thing that I do, but I listen to it every single day because it's so impressing Peggy, upon. For, 
for clarification, how long is that for you? Is that five minutes of narrative? Is it? It's actually long? 25. <laughs> 25. No, the well, reason why mine is 25, it doesn't have to be 25. Okay. It could be five. It could be 10. The reason why mine is 25 minutes is because I've been doing it so long. And let's say I'm reading a book. You know, I'm reading something in Dr. Joseph Murphy's The Power of Positive, uh, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And I see an mm -hmm. affirmation in here that, that he uses because he's all about affirmations. And what's affirmations, right? Positive thoughts that you impress upon your subconscious mind. So if I see an affirmation that I really like and I'll add it to my script. I'll give you an example. I remember uh, having a conversation with Gay Hendricks, who was a client of mine. We became friends. And Gay was telling me that when he and Katie got married, they were struggling financially in the beginning. And they get to the end of the month and they barely have enough money to get by. And they got frustrated with that. So they decided, you know, we need to declare to the universe that we have more money at the end of the month rather than more months at the end of the money. And so they started to use affirmations. They got to a point that it was working for them, but they thought they want to have more money, plenty of money. So they came up with this affirmation. I always have plenty of money to do whatever I want to do. I always have plenty of money to do whatever I want to do. So that, I like that. It's like, hey, I really like that affirmation. I put it in my script. There's also a quote that's online by Patanjali, and it goes something like this. Dormant forces have come alive, and I'm discovering myself to be a greater person by far than I ever imagined myself to be. Now, that's not exactly the quote. That's similar to the quote. But I remember one time hearing that quote and thinking, hmm, I like that quote. I'm going to make it my own. Now, I'm not mm. plagiarizing anything. I'm not selling it. I'm just using it for my own purposes. And so I say that. And that's why I can rhyme that off so easily is because it's in my script. I hear it every day. Bob Proctor has an affirmation that he quite often declares. It goes something like this. Um, I attract millions of dollars to me, continuous basis from multiple sources. And so I heard that and thought, oh, I like that. And I put that in my script. So yes, I describe my life, like my husband and I also have a waterfront home and I describe being there. I talk about, you know, being by the campfire and sometimes our friends who play the guitar come over and we end up, you know, telling jokes and singing songs. And we have a couple boats that are a cottage and we've got a sea dew and a Hobie eclipse and we got kayaks. And so I create the visions, right? I talk about sitting on the deck and having a glass of wine, watching the sunset and how beautiful it is there and how we share it with our friends and our family. And, and so you create the picture so you can live in it, really. That's, that's the most valuable thing I've ever learned is you got to live it as if it's here right now. So the Power Life script helps you do just that. Mm. Now, when you think about your clients that you are coaching, Peggy, by the way, thank you for your energy. It's contagious for sure. Is, uh, what are some of the things that are hindering people? If some listeners are <laughs> listening to what you just described, what would get in the way of them actually doing this right now? The law of Goya. <laughs> you know again. what the law of Goya is? I'm the about law. to find out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the law of Goya, like we know about the law of attraction, law of vibration, law of cause and effect, the law of, of opposite. I mean, the law of Goya is the law of get off your ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, unless you do something, like it's, it's just not going to fall from the sky, right? And that's, I think, a big part of the challenge is people aren't willing to do the work. There's mm. work involved. It's going to take some time. There's a law of gestation that dictates there's a period of time that must elapse before all things will manifest into form. 
So when we recognize that we're such powerful creative beings and we choose to get on that side of being creative rather than destructive and we do something about it and we're patient. I remember hearing Wayne Dyer say the following. He said, infinite patience produces immediate results. Mm -hmm. So what does that really mean? It means that if you imagine and you know that you're already living that life, why in the world would you be impatient? Because it's here now. I have a book on my desk here um, by Neville Goddard called The Power of Awareness. And he's one of the greatest teachers that uh, ever you know, walked this earth. And Neville Goddard, one of the greatest messages that he teaches is that you act as if or you live as if your goal or your dream life is already here. It's now. So he calls it come from your goal. That's what he says. Come from your goal. What does that really mean? It means you act as if it's already here. You're living that life. That's what the Power Life Script does. And um, Neville Goddard says the reason why people don't achieve their goals is because they don't feel it's natural. They don't feel it's natural. You've got to just know it. You've got to reach a level of certainty where there's no doubt in your mind. It's not an option here. It's happening, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes you've got to convince yourself. Like I remember back in the 90s making some decisions on some goals and feeling that fear, almost like hyperventilating, going, I have no idea how I'm going to make this happen. I mean, I've been in scary times in my life where I didn't know how things were going to happen. But I, it's like, you know what? I'm going to just continue to build the belief system. It's like an emotional, it's like muscles, right? Our emotions are like muscles. We've got to build them, build them, build them until they come so strong. Nothing's going to move you off track. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so powerful, Peggy. And I appreciate that because we also teach around learned optimism and that our language and how we respond to events highly influences our outcomes. I mean, so true. The biology of belief. I mean, all these kinds of things that are out there. He so took my program. <laughs> Bruce Lipton. Of yeah. course, Bruce, Bruce is there too. I mean, we talk about you know, how our energy affects things. And then there's people that have different belief systems. But what part of this is that we are a spiritual being having a physical experience. And sure. so what does that mean in terms of the outcomes around us? Now, Peggy, because you have so much information, we only have time for sort of one more idea. But before we do that, what I'd like to do is to say, how can people find out about your work? Where, do, where can they go to find out about Peggy McCall? Well, that's easy. They just go to PeggyMcCall.com, P-E-G-G-Y-M-C-C-O-L-L.com. And anything, any other ways to get a hold of you? That's it? That, that would probably be the best way. I mean, every, everything, like even my social media sites are all linked to there. If someone wants to reach out to me, they can do it through there. Very easy to reach me through PeggyMcCall.com. And my email address is Peggy at PeggyMcCall.com. So that's pretty hard to remember. So they can, <laughs> and if you didn't get it, guess what? Because this is a podcast, you can rewind it and then listen <laughs> to it again as part of it. Now, what are the last, you know, you have so much more wisdom and love. Maybe we'll have you back on again. Maybe, oh, I'd love that. What do you, that'll be awesome. <laughs> but in the meantime, beyond really this life script, what are one or two sort of tidbits that you want to list, leave with the listeners before we go today? That's such a great question. You know, I always pay attention to what intuitively comes to me. And uh, here's what came to me when you're asking that question. One is to recognize that you got to get out of your own way. Like I remember one time calling Bob Proctor. This is years and years ago. 
and I was looking to purchase the home. And the home was about a million more than the one that I was in. And that just seemed like a lot of money. And, mm. and I reached out to Bob and I, and I said, you know, I'm really feeling my paradigms are, are, you know, blocking me. And he replied with such brilliance. And it was brilliance that I was aware of, but I had simply forgotten. And he said, a million is neither big nor small, Peggy. Only thinking makes it so. He said, if you want the house, get the house. You are the only one standing in your way. And it was kind of like a palm to forehead. Duh, of course. And we are the only ones standing in our way. And, and that's neither good nor bad. It just is. And that's not designed to make you feel bad. And Bob certainly didn't say it to make me feel, feel bad. As a matter of fact, I felt inspired because he, I knew he was absolutely mm. right. That if there is something that you want, but there's, as I said a few minutes ago, there's going to be some work involved. I'm extremely disciplined in what I do. I wake up every day and I do gratitude first thing in the morning. I don't even look at my computer before I do my gratitude. And I do affirmations as well. Right after gratitude, I do my affirmations. And they're affirmations that I've written out. And these are read. I read them out loud. And I listen to my Power Life script. I listen to my Power Life script all day long. I also study. I mean, I'm sitting here with books all around me. I didn't plan on having these books. They're around me. Everywhere I go, I'm mm. studying material. I'm such an addict for it. Remember I mentioned back in the 80s when I first got into this, I was an addict. I'm still an addict, but in a good way. A good, a good, good way. addict. Now, are so, you listening to any specific podcasts outside of mine? <laughs> uh, I'm listening to Joel Osteen's. Okay, great. I, yeah, I like his know. stuff. I like his messages. Yeah, good. And, good. Um, you know, I just love going online and studying, too. And there's so much available online. So I would say make it a daily habit of implementing, you know, positive studies. You know, study Ken's work, study Ken's podcast, because you'll be very glad that you did. I mean, you bring so much value to the world. And we've got to get into that space. Thank of, you. But don't just be a student. You know, got to apply it, too. That's why I was talking earlier. But you got to get off your butt and do something about it as well. So start implementing so that you can create some really good results in your life. Well, Peggy, our time is already up. Can you believe it? Where did it go? <laughs> Flew like, by. I, I, like I had one breath and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and so thanks for bringing the positive energy. And so go to PeggyMcCall.com, find out more about Peggy's work. Peggy, thanks for spending time with us today. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Ken. Thanks so much. Now, listeners, go to PeggyMcCall.com, and here's one of the things that she said. Get off your tush. Get going. <laughs> Start doing it. Implement it. You know, if you can think about it all day, but if you do nothing, you've done nothing. And so my encouragement is I love this life script. It's interesting. I got out of that habit a little bit, and so that I'm encouraged. I'm going to do that right away as soon as I get off this podcast recording with Peggy and say, okay, I want to record that. And so for you, what do you want? Where do you want to go? And get on and then Peggy has all kinds of uh, materials for you. As always, we thank you for giving us your most valuable thing, your time to listen to us. But do us a favor, share, pass it on, leave positive comments, leave a positive review, and let others know about this so that you can transform their life as well. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes.
thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.